Working together. Yeah, you're about team. Um, I think we're going to start in 2 Corinthians tonight. 2 Corinthians, the whole book. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5. <laughs> for you, Jeff. For you. I mean, there's no ND on it. I'm just saying. Right? I'm just saying. It's a two. Um, I'll get there eventually. Okay. Let's just... um, I'm just going to ask the Lord to just focus this to where he wants to take it, okay? Let's just do that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're leading us into the truth. Guide us and lead us tonight what you would have for us. God, I thank you that you love to speak to your people. God, I thank you that um, no one in this room is disqualified from hearing from you. Jesus is our qualification. So, Jesus, we thank you that you allow us, you bring us into understanding. It's part of relationship with you. Open our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, before I jump into this tonight, um, this is sort of like a um, preliminary thought for us, okay? So, um, I think a lot of times we, we try to process things with our minds, and God has given us our minds as a gift to help us understand life, help us understand Him. Um, but there's a lot of things in the gospel that can't be understood merely with our minds. And so we don't check our minds at the door, but I think that we have to acknowledge that there's a place where God wants to take us that uh, we can't get merely by our own thinking, our own understanding. And that, in fact, um, in fact, we need, um, the way we get there is, is through belief belief. And, and so there is understanding involved in belief. There is thinking involved in belief. But, but ultimately, belief is about um, faith. <laughs> faith, and uh, again, faith is informed by information, but it, it, it goes beyond that. You realize that? So even in that prayer that we prayed earlier um, for wisdom and revelation, there, he, he continues and his prayer is that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know. So the knowing actually ultimately comes through, I don't even know what that means or looks like, but the eyes of our heart. Um, and, and I think that's the place of faith. That's the place of believing that the information that we have and that we know, believing that it's true. Because you can have the information and it can all be there, and you can still be stuck 
in terms of your access of that information and uh, your ability to receive it and agree with it. And we've probably all been there at some time. And so um, I say that because I think sometimes we come to the gospel, we come to the things that God has given us and told us, we come to scripture and we come to it thinking that we can get what God wants to give us merely by processing it through our minds. And I don't think that's true. And in fact, like, even the starting place in the gospel, which is Christ dying on our behalf and taking all of our sin upon him and going to the grave but not remaining there because death couldn't hold him down because he didn't, death didn't have anything on him, and so he rose again, and he rose again in victory, and he shared that victory with us. That gospel, we, can't, we cannot enter into that merely with our minds, because that, that's, um, that's supernatural. <laughs> you realize that? <laughs> you guys with me? So when we sing about um, Jesus and what he's done for us, actually the entryway into the gospel is we get there by belief. We say, God, I don't even know how it works. I don't even know um, how it's possible, but you did this. And I'm putting my faith, my belief, my trust beyond what I know, beyond what I can fully explain and comprehend. I'm putting my faith in you, my understanding in you. And what I don't understand, I trust you for that as well. You guys got that? So it's really, I think that's really powerful and important as we, um, as we come to the things that God says to us, and as we come to some of these things that we're going to unpack tonight, I just believe that, um, I, I, I believe that the, the abundance and the glory of God's good news for us is meant to stretch us into that place. And when we get to a place where we don't quite understand what he's saying, don't let that stop us. Give, give permission to just... Let your mind take a break for a minute and let those things come into your heart through faith. Some of you are like, I don't even know what that means. See, well, it might be a good opportunity to practice that, okay? Because I'm going to read some things tonight that you've probably heard before. Maybe you haven't heard them before, but, but as we read them, the truth of these things is so far beyond us. I say this a lot um, if you're new with us, wow, you get the privilege of hearing it for the first time. The good news is way better than we think. The good news is way better than we think. Than we think. And so actually we have to let God take us into the realm of believing that it's true. Even when we might not think it is. Even when we don't think we deserve it. Even when we think that it can't be that good. A lot of times when we say something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, the gospel is not like that. And the gospel, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is true. Are you following me? If you don't believe that, you probably need to listen to it again. Okay? So, all right. All that to say, God, help us to believe the things that we can't wrap our minds around. Okay. So, 2 Corinthians 5. Um, 
Last week, I started sharing a little bit. You're like, oh, we were supposed to start reading that. I know. Um, I shared a little bit last week about letting God take us higher into the truth of who we are in him. And I'm, I'm going to kind of continue in that this week. And, um, in fact, um, over the next, I don't know how many weeks, we're going we're gonna to jump into what God has accomplished for us through his sacrifice. What, what, what Jesus has won for us through his sacrifice on the cross, because I believe that um, if we're really going to live in the glory of the gospel we re- receive, we really need to begin to get an understanding of the fullness of that. And there are some concrete truths, some concrete truths that, that um, are right now for us that I believe that we're not walking in the realization of because perhaps we haven't... Um, we haven't actually taken hold of them. Maybe we haven't ever heard them before. Um, maybe we've heard them, but we, we haven't let them be um, the thing that shapes the way we live right now. Maybe we've thought of some of these things as being for the future when, in fact, Jesus has already accomplished them and we're meant to walk in them now. We're meant to walk in the reality of these things now. And you'll, you'll get a sense of what I'm talking about. So in 2 Corinthians 5, um, verse 16, this is what it says. It says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, We do so no longer. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Exclamation point. It's like he's excited about telling us this. The old is gone and the new is here. Now. What? What? The new has come. Yeah, you, you know, there, apparently there's two NIVs. There's the one you have and the one I have. <laughs> the new has come. The new is here. <clears throat> exclamation point. Did you just fix that? No, okay, it was already there. Oh, we both have the exclamation point. That's good. <clears throat> now the question is, what is, what is the new? Like we've probably, if you've read this passage before, um, or if you haven't, the question is, what is the new? What is the new? What does the new look like? What does the new sound like? What is the new? What does it actually mean to be a new creation? And what does it mean that the old has already gone? That the old is gone. Say bye. Bye. The old is gone. Say bye to the old. What does it mean that the old is already gone and the new is here? I'm just going to keep asking until we're uncomfortable. (laughs) Which for some of you is already. Okay, I'll stop. (laughs) No, but have we ever asked ourselves that? So we say, yeah, I'm a new creation. What does that even mean? See, because I believe until we unpack that, until we begin to realize, like, what does it actually mean that I'm new now in Christ? 
Um, actually, when we unpack that, we're going to see how glorious that is. It's, it's a start to say, I'm a new creation. I'm a butterfly in Jesus. <laughs> but I think we've got to really expound on that. What is the new? What is the new identity that we now have because of what Jesus has done? Well, first of all, the fact that he says we're made new says what the gospel has accomplished. It says something about what the gospel has accomplished. See, in Jesus, he didn't, he didn't go to the cross and die there for our sins to, to um, fix us, to improve us a little bit, to help us a little bit. This is actually that when he went to the cross, and it says just before that, it says um, when Christ died, all died in Christ. That's actually what it's talking about for the old to be gone now. He says what he accomplished at the cross is that he took the old you, the old way of doing things. You might have liked the old you, so this might be a little disappointing, but he says the old you is dead. That's good news. If you like the old you, or maybe you still like the old you, well, you just need to see the new you. <laughs> it's so much better. I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and God knew that. God was like, you know what? We could try to work on the old you, but I got a plan that's way better. We're just going to start over again. We're going to start completely over called the new. <laughs> it's not an old dress. It's a new dress. It's a completely different one. Guys, it's not old shoes. It's new shoes. Completely different pair. Are you with me? This is amazing. It says something about what God has done. He's not working on the old us anymore. So if we're trying to take the things that he's telling us, and apply it to the old us, we're doing it wrong. It doesn't work that way. When he went to the cross, he took the old you and all of the ugliness and all of the stuff that went with it that couldn't change, and he put it on himself so that you could get a clean beginning, fresh start all over again, brand new. That's what that means. That's powerful. That's powerful because, see, the truth is we might be thinking, even as I'm saying this, well, I don't feel new right now. Well, you really need to hear this then because the truth is you are. And this is the starting place. You start from this in the gospel. When you came in, you got a brand new way of living, a brand new way of being, a brand new way of thinking. You got a brand new heart. So when people quote verses like, the human heart is wicked beyond, what is it, repair or something like that. It's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Trust me. Have you heard that one? If anybody's heard it, you can fill in the blank because I think I butchered it a little bit. The human heart is exceedingly wicked. But guess what? You got a new heart now in Jesus. You've been made new. Not just part of you, all of you. 
Do we believe that? See, I believe that God tells us things like this so that we can let it be the starting point for life in him, belief in him. Say, God, I want to believe this is true. Maybe you don't believe that's true yet because, you know, the past sticks around. (laughs) We're pretty good at remembering it a lot of times. And, you know, the accuser is what he's called. He's really good at remembering, too. In fact, all he knows is what's in the past. He doesn't know what's ahead. So that's all he has to use against you is the past. But God says you've been made new. So when you start having thoughts, thinking about, well, it feels like the old me is still around. Believe what God says. He says you've been made new. Some of you might be thinking this sounds too simple. All right. What does that newness look like? <laughs> I ask that question again. I want to I wanna talk about what that newness looks like a little bit. Well, if you keep reading, he says a little bit about what that newness looks like. He says, all this is from God. This is God's idea. God was like, I want to make you new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus had the ministry of reconciliation. He's the first one who had it. And what he accomplished in that ministry is he reconciled us to God through himself. What Jesus accomplished on the cross is actually he brought you into a relationship that you couldn't access before him. So part of the new is that in your new life, you have the ability to connect with God in a way that you didn't in your old life. So that's one of the aspects of the new that you are in. The new says you can come boldly before God, boldly before him. That that is audacious apart from Jesus. It's audacious with Jesus, but Jesus gives us permission to do that because it's part of the new. It's part of what he's accomplished in the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is to restore a relationship to its original design or intention. God's original design and intention for us was that we would know him, that we wouldn't be afraid of him, that we would be able to come before him in confidence as a child to their father, believing that he hears us, believing that he has good things stored up in his heart for us. That's what Jesus accomplished. So part of the new is we get brought into this restored relationship with the one that made us. Nothing in the way anymore. What about sin? Well, he, he resolved that. He took care of it. Verse 19, God... This is what the ministry of reconciliation is. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. It says God is not counting your sins against you anymore. Why? He didn't just forget them. He didn't just ignore them. Jesus took them. Are you with me? Jesus did, God didn't just forget your sins, past, present, future. Don't look up there. You'll get dizzy. Look here. (laughs) You're not listening. I know it's hard. (laughs) 
difficult. <laughs> Finally made its way in the sermon. Um, <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? The ministry of reconciliation, in order for that to occur, God needed to take care of something. He needed to take care of the thing that was separating us from him, which was our sin. And it says he took care of that. He says he's not counting our sins against us. Why? Because Jesus took them for us. So the new, in order for the new to come, God had to, had to take care of the old. And he has. He's taken care of it. It's been taken care of. Next time you have a thought in your head that says it hasn't been taken care of, get a better thought. <laughs> it's been taken care of. You guys with me? I hope this isn't putting you to sleep because this is good stuff. <laughs> don't, don't miss it. Well, if you miss it, if you need to sleep, it's fine. We record this so you can listen to it later. <laughs> I told somebody that last week, so I won't be offended. I'm serious. Um, <laughs> all right. I want to I wanna, um, jump over to Second Peter, Second Peter 1, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, okay? So much more fun to say. (laughs) What does the new look like? All right? That's actually what we're going to talk about for these next weeks, okay? So we're not going to answer it all tonight, but I want to give you kind of a starting place for that. What does the new look like? What does it mean to be a new creation now? Um, And to begin thinking about ourselves that way thinking about ourselves the way God thinks about us in light of his son. Verse 3 of 2 Peter 1, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So God, in his glory and goodness, was motivated to give us what we need to live the way he's called us to live. It says, through these, through his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. These are promises about who he is, promises about what he's done, promises about who we are now, promises about what will come in him. And these are the things that we're called to believe in. So that through them, through these things, You may participate in the divine nature. So this new life, right? The the old having gone and the new come. What is that? God says it's actually, it's a new nature. It's a divine nature. Are you with me? So what God sees when he sees you, he doesn't see you anymore apart from Jesus in you. The hope of glory. So, if we want to come into agreement with the truth of who we are now, the new that's come, we need to start seeing ourselves with Jesus in us. Jesus now defines the life that we live. Jesus now defines the way God sees us when he looks at us. And everything that Jesus accomplished, he shared with us. Everything that Jesus accomplished, he has given to us. 
It's not just for him anymore. He won it, and he said, I want you to have it as well. It's a powerful thought. It's called the divine nature. Everything that Jesus had, he's shared with us now. I'm going to break that down a little bit. What is the everything? It says we have everything we need for a godly life. How do we have that? Because Jesus has shared it with us now. What he accomplished through his divine power, he's now given to us and shared with us through his divine nature in us. You see? So when we talk about a new life, the new creation, the new being here, what is the new? It's the divine power of God, the divine nature of God now working itself in our lives. Whoa. (laughs) So it means that we can't, if we're going to agree with the truth of this, we have to stop thinking about ourselves as mere, from a merely human point of view. 2 Corinthians 5. We no longer view ourselves and each other according to a human point of view. Because we're not merely human anymore. This just got sci-fi. We have a divine nature in us. So when you look at yourself as merely human, you are discrediting what God sees and what God has done and what he's given you. Do you realize that? When we talk about renewing our minds, what we're doing is actually we're we're renewing our thinking to see the way God sees to believe what God says about us, to believe what God has accomplished and the extent of what he's accomplished, that it's actually true. You with me? We have a divine nature now. Can we say yay? (laughs) It's amazing. Like, who thinks this stuff up? God does. (laughs) God does. So when he says you are new creation in me, You're not just new. You're not a butterfly. You have the nature of Christ now living and working in you. And you know, Christ, he he can do some stuff. He can accomplish some things. Right? As far as I know, according to the records, there's nothing that Jesus hasn't accomplished. He's undefeated. He's undefeated. And he wants, to, he wants that truth to, to manifest itself in your life. All right? You guys with me? Three of you? Okay. <laughs> I just want to run down a list of a few things, Okay that uh, we'll, jump, we'll get into more later. What has Christ won for me? What is the new? What is the new that's here, okay? And um, I've got some references for these if you need a book address. Um, I missed references for a few, but they're in your Bible, I promise. And I'll explain more later, okay? What has God already won for me that is mine, that has been given to me right now. Um, I 
Well, actually, um, so one of these it says is we're heirs to his inheritance. All right. So um, in order to be heirs of an inheritance, first you have to be part of the family that that inheritance belongs to. So what has God won for us? Actually, in, in taking our sin upon himself, he didn't just forgive us of our sin, but he, he actually adopted us into his family. So when we talk about being reconciled with God, we don't just, um, he didn't just repair this relationship, but he restored it to what he intended, which was that we would be his children, he would be our father, and we would be partakers in what his family has. Jesus, it says now in Hebrews 2, is our big brother. That's pretty cool. Some of you never had a big brother. Well, you do. It's Jesus. I'm serious. It's in Hebrews 2. Look it up. And it says, it says that he, he rejoices to call us brothers and sisters. He's proud of us. He wanted us in his family. <laughs> He's not inconvenienced by us. He was excited about this plan from the Father. So we get brought into a family. That's what he's accomplished. We, we have sonship now through adoption. Okay? Galatians 3 talks about that. And as children adopted into this family, now we actually have an inheritance in this family. And the inheritance is the thing that Jesus won for us. The inheritance is that which Jesus, through his death, has, has brought about for us to share in. Are you with me? So we're heirs to inheritance. Galatians 3 also talks about that. Through Jesus, um, we have righteousness now. Righteousness is the, is the, the very reconciled re- relationship. It is the, the nature of that relationship. It's one in which we are able to come before God because there's nothing in the way. That's, a right, that's the righteousness of Christ given to us. It says now we are the righteousness of Christ, uh, of God in Christ Jesus. He's given his righteousness for us, to us, so we can live in it. So when we think about yourselves, in light of Jesus, we have to think about ourselves as having been made righteous. Already, he says, we've been uh, made holy and blameless in him. This is all part of the same package. This is our identity now. This is what Jesus has accomplished. Holiness means to be set apart for a purpose, um, for a, a specific purpose. Set apart, distinguished. That's who we are now. Do this. Do this for me. See, this is good news. Why are you guys so serious? Are you with me? Okay. See, if you're with me, um, any time now, you can give me one of these. This is, how, this is our amen. Because some people are uncomfortable saying amen out loud. You can just do this, all right? It means, means you agree with the truth. It means do it again, all right? It says be, through Jesus and what he's done, we've been justified, which is as if the sin never took place, just as if we never sinned. Romans 3, Galatians 3. We already talked about it. He's done away with the old nature. He's given us a new nature. He's given us his forgiveness once and for all. Once and for all. Colossians 2. I'm going to just read that one. I'm going to read it in a minute. You're turning there already. And he's given us friendship with him. These are all things that he's won for us. 
We have victory in him, and we have freedom in him. So that's just like, that's just a primer of the new, of the new. Now the question is, are we living in those things? See, I think what God wants to do in our lives is to bring us to a place where we're convinced that these things are true already. Because they're the starting place for us. They're not what we're working towards. We're not working towards righteousness. People tried that for a long time. It didn't work. Jesus says it's yours. It's the place you live from now. You're not working towards holiness. You are holy. And you live from the truth of that. So that your life reflects it. There is a process by which this truth is taking root in our lives. Yes. But these things are already. So we we can't think of them as if they're not. Because if we do, what we're saying is, Jesus, you haven't already done it. Might be saying it inadvertently, but that's what we're saying. All right. Um, I want to read. I want to just read two examples, cover two examples, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Okay. So why is this important? These are uh, the things that Jesus has won for us. It's part of our riches in Him. When we say our wealth is in the cross, as we sang today, what are we talking about? Like, some of us are like, that sounds great, but right now I could use a little bit of uh, real money. (laughs) I could use a little bit of help. I could use a little bit of provision. When we say our wealth is in the cross, we're saying that that Jesus is taking care of the things that need to be taken care of, and we have an abundance now in him through what he's accomplished, through his life, through him in us. We're not poor, we're rich. And that's why in Ephesians 2, Paul prays that we would know the riches, the glorious riches of our inheritance. We're not the only ones that are still trying to come into the knowledge of that. That's why it's in our Bibles. We need to realize what we have in God so we can live in it. So we realize we're not living from a place of lack. We're living from a place of abundance in Him. He's taking care of our needs through Jesus. And he wants the reality of that to come out in our lives. Two examples, all right? Just two examples of why we need to take hold of these things. So, for example, forgiveness, all right? Forgiveness is already in Jesus. This is an interesting one, and I'm open to talking about it and um, sorting through it together. Um, but, you know, I was always taught that forgiveness is something you need to continually ask God for. I'm not sure that's true. Because Colossians 2, and let's read it. Colossians 2 says that it's been done once and for all. Colossians 2.13. It says, when you were dead in, in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us. All our sins. Say all our sins. When Jesus went to the cross, how many sins did he take with him? All of them. Past, present, future. So when we talk about forgiveness, I'm aware of 1 John. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
But you know what? I think 1 John 1, 9 is talking about what Jesus accomplished on the cross and what we come into when we receive his sacrifice. Can we say that again? I think it's actually talking about what Jesus accomplished on the Christ and when we receive it, when we come to him and we say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me, then we have forgiveness of sins and we have the promise of being purified from all unrighteousness. If you're still in unrighteousness, then God hasn't purified you from it. But he says you're righteous now, you're righteous now in Christ Jesus. Sounds like he took care of that when you came into the kingdom. Are you with me? Same thing with forgiveness, okay? So if, if we don't realize this, I think one of the dangers is we could end up seeing repentance as a work, as something we're doing to receive what God has already poured out and already accomplished. You know what I mean by that? If you think that you can do something today or tomorrow that God hasn't forgiven you of already, then you might take a while before you get back to him and ask him to do that. It might actually separate you from him when actually he's saying, I've taken care of it already, so come to me. Because your provision, what I've accomplished already, it's in me, so come to me. You've been forgiven once and for all through my son. Jesus isn't going to the cross again. It's already happened. Now, I'm not saying we don't pray forgiveness, ask forgiveness. But what I am saying is any forgiveness granted has already been granted us through Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's complete. It's complete. If it isn't complete, then we have a problem. <laughs> you realize that? So this is powerful. So then we don't have to wonder if we're forgiven. We already are. It's taken care of. The forgiveness that we have, it's through Jesus and his work on the cross. All right. Another one, reconciliation. We were just talking about that, okay? Reconciliation is what we already have. <laughs> a lot of times we're we're wondering where God is. A lot of times we look at our situation and we think that we can do something that would separate us from him. <laughs> That's silly. You think that what you do matters more than what God's done? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're already, we're already restored in him. It's already happened. Jesus accomplished that. And so we're in a place where we're wondering where God is or we feel separated from him. We need to take hold of that truth. Not ask God, would you draw near to me? He's already with you. He promised that he wouldn't leave you or forsake you. That's the truth. Don't let your feelings tell you otherwise. All right. We good? Hey, I got, I got three amens over here. Wow. I, was, I thought you were raising your hand to ask a question, and then I realized, oh, wait, I know what that is. <laughs> Guys, I'm so excited about this because um, I believe that God is is bringing us into, and I can just speak from experience, that God is bringing us into um, perhaps a discovery of these truths for the first time. 
things that have been sitting on the shelf, gifts from him that are all dusty because we just haven't known about them. We, we, haven't, um, we haven't heard the permission of God speaking into this saying, saying, take hold of it. It's yours. But he is. And by his grace, I believe he's actually calling us into um, a deeper realization of the truth, of what we have in him. So we can walk in it. So that we can see the divine nature actually growing within us. So that we can see ourselves growing into who Jesus paid a price for us to be. Let's pray.